Take your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, the theme for these um, lessons, these Bible studies that I've been doing now for a long time, is some of my favorite passages related to Christian growth. I, I started off calling them my favorite counseling passages. Not all these are counseling passages. Some of these passages I, I don't use too often in counseling, per se. I use them in and discipleship, uh, from working with someone on something. Often, these are the passages that come up, and I found these studies to be so fun and, and just just invigorating for me because it's going back to some of the the places in my Bible that are the most well worn. It seems you know it's like your Bible falls open to Ephesians three and four and Philippians four and places like this. <clears throat> so I um. Uh, this passage is another one of those that ends up getting a lot of discussion time. And, and please feel free to, uh, to interrupt at any point and ask questions or chime in, give your own feedback or your own uh, analysis, your own thoughts of this scripture. I know this will be an encouragement to you. Uh, it'll be a good reminder. It was a good reminder for me as I studied it this past week. Um, the, the basic theme for this passage is how to handle worry and anxiety. How do we handle worry and anxiety? Um, uh, when I was at the Biblical Counseling Training Conference uh, in 2018, I was in a session with Brent Oakwin on overcoming sinful worry and fear. And uh, this, this is not developed from that uh, session, but I did like his definition. He said, worry or anxiety is an over-anxious concern regarding the future and things that keep a person from fulfilling current biblical responsibilities. You'll notice there's a futureness to worry that ignores the present. You see that? When we, when we get caught up in anxiety and worry, we're often, the problem is that we are not dealing with what's right in front of us a lot of times. We're not trusting the Lord, yes, but where it manifests itself is sometimes we ignore the problems right, right in front of us. So I liked that. I thought that was an interesting um, interesting point. I think of uh, worry or fear, uh, especially anxiety being a, a general fear. I think of anxiety being more like you're just anxious. You're just not sure what you're, at least fear. If you're afraid of spiders, you know what they are. You know, there's a spider. You're afraid of it. You don't like it. If you're afraid of, you know, dogs, you're afraid of dogs. If you're afraid of whatever, guns, you're afraid of guns. You're afraid of a thing. You're afraid of a person. You're afraid of an animal. But anxiety, what I see is our general cultural I, uh, tenor of anxiety is, is just this general fear of everything. It's like there's, there's like you're the skittish. You're walking around expecting all this bad stuff to happen to you. Um, researchers have found that, uh, that anxiety actually leaves markers in your body's RNA. Um, it has a profound impact on your body. It's not just a, and so what the world says is they say, well, it's, you know, because you're, because you're this way, you are anxious. Well, I, I think biblically, more likely, our anxiety can actually affect our bodies just as much as our bodies can affect our anxiety. So um, our culture, I think, often assumes that pills can solve everything. And um, so I, I try, to, try to, I think that biblically, anxiety and worry um, is, is, a, is a mind issue. It's a heart issue more than it's a, a body chemistry uh, issue. I mean, just, just think about it. Uh, we have more pills now dealing with anxiety than we have in the, had in the history of mankind. Are we more or less anxious? We're way more. 
So it's not like we've solved the problem. And I think that that leaves at least something to discuss. So I have a few questions here. Um, in your mind, we, before we get into Scripture, what is the opposite of anxiety? What would you say is the opposite of anxiety? Peace. Peace. Okay, good. Any other? Uh, that's what I had. But any other thoughts about that? Contentment. Good. I, I mean, you nailed it. I think peace is a great term. The Hebrew term peace, shalom, has this idea of harmony and, and, and rightness. There's a rightness to things. Um, peace is a peace of God, which we talk about. We're going to talk about that later in this passage. The peace is, is huge. So what is the alternative to anxiety? So instead of, the way I'm putting this, instead of being anxious, what, what is the alternative behavioral behavior to anxiety? Being positive, okay. So instead of being negative, being positive. Yes, ma'am? Being thankful, okay, good. Trust. trust. I love the word trust here because anxiety is you can't trust anything, can't trust anybody. You're fearful of, I mean, you, you don't trust the seat you're sitting in. You think it's going to collapse. You, you, know, you don't trust the people who are doing anything. You know, you're constantly fearful of everything. Um, how is trust demonstrated? Well, specifically trust in the Lord. How do we demonstrate trust in the Lord? Prayer. Prayer. Man, you're like reading my mind. Do you have my notes? Uh, <laughs> uh, prayer is the number one way we demonstrate trust in the Lord. Some people say obedience as well, and I think that's true, obedience. Uh, trust and obey. Like when you trust, you obey. But uh, the passage we're going to look at today really hones in on this idea of, of prayer and thanksgiving in prayer. So we said thankfulness earlier. Somebody said thankfulness. This idea of giving thanks in prayer is actually very essential to fighting um, anxiety. So I have two, the negative side and the positive side, and I just thought about, this is the corrective, maybe you say the corrective side, so the negative side is where he begins um, this passage. Look at verse 6 through 7 with me, Philippians chapter 4, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. First blank is the command. The command is be anxious for nothing. And another way of understanding this phrase, like I might say it to uh, a normal person, don't be anxious about anything. So be anxious for nothing equals don't be anxious about anything. Um, so anxiety here is categorized as a what? It is actually, believe it or not, sinful. Do you see that? If God says, and we're going to explain what I mean here, anxiety is categorized as a sin. If God says, don't be anxious about anything, and you are anxious about something, what are you doing? You're disobeying God. And, and some people live in anxiety. They are, they are so consumed in anxiety. For me to say anxiety is a sin is creates anxiety <laughs> because it's like, how do, you, how do you not have anxiety? I've talked to people like this. It's like, I don't understand what you mean. Like every moment, every day, I'm anxious about everything, okay? So let's, we, have, but we have to think biblically. If we're going to have any hope, we have to think biblically. If we think unbiblically, we've already thrown hope out the window. Um, the word anxiety um, means to be apprehensive, uh, to be unduly concerned about something, but it comes from a compound word, that uh, means divided mind. 
and it carries the idea, I'm just gonna, I, that's your blank, a divided mind. What does James say? We're going to talk about this on Sunday. James chapter 1. A double-minded man. It's unstable in all his ways. And this is a divided mind person. It's not the same. Double-minded is two minds. This is, this is like you have one mind, but it's divided in half. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating phrase. The, the Greek word um, is meridzo, which means divide, you know, middle, divide, and nous, which is mind. So, so anxiety in this context is beyond the natural concern for a natural godly planning instinct. We're not talking about planning for the future. We're not talking about, okay, I'm not going to save for a retirement because I'm not going to be anxious about the future. We're not talking about that. That's planning. It's what Proverbs talks about, the wisdom of planning. That's different. We're talking here is a fear about unknowns that often, and I, I like to use the words paralyze and preoccupy. Okay, so if, if you have fears in your life that paralyze and preoccupy you, that's probably anxiety more than it is planning. So let's look at uh, Matthew 6. Can we go back there for a second? This is kind of a double whammy here. Matthew chapter 6. And we're not going to analyze this passage as much. We're going to look at the big picture here in verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. A lot of you are familiar with this. And if you struggle with anxiety, these are verses you should memorize and put them on your your uh, dresser in the morning, first thing you see. Um, Matthew six twenty five through 34, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Now, if you stop for a moment, what is required? What do you say are the, are the necessities of, of living? Food, clothing, shelter. What does he say you're not supposed to worry about? Food, clothing. Like, if you should worry about anything, it would be food, clothing, and shelter. Yet God says, don't worry about anything. You know, like, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. You know, it's amazing to me that's what he goes right to. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he gives an example. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Uh, So why do you worry about the clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Verse 29, yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God, here's the argument, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows you need them. So it's not that you don't need them. God knows you need them, and he will provide. But seek first what? Here's our verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What's the all these things referring to? Food, clothing, raiment. Yeah, food, clothing, and shelter, right? The idea that you, you do God's will, and God will take care of you. And I, I have seen, you know, Psalm talks about this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. And it, there, is a, there is a pattern of truth in the Scripture that those who follow God's Word tend to be provided for by God. God does that. And often people who are, find themselves in dire straits have gone wrong in following the Lord. Often. That's not all. Obviously, these are general rules of thumb, but God does take care 
of his children. Verse 34, and this is why he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. I love this last phrase. Somebody want to read it? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's every day has enough trouble of its own. So if this is true, remember what we said earlier about, let's do the circle. Uh, this is today. And God has given me enough grace to deal with what I have to deal with today. If I'm worrying about tomorrow, do I have God's power to, am I enabled by God to accomplish that worrying? You know, no. Is this what God has given me? God has given me to deal with this today. So what often happens, there's a couple different ways of thinking about this. Um, This is another version of the circle in the box. Y'all are familiar with my parents' version of the circle in the box. This is another version of the circle in the box. It's not the same. It's different. These are the things for which you should be concerned. These are the things under your authority, your power, your responsibility right now. For example, your family is in this realm. Your finances are in this realm. What you spend your money on is right here. What Uncle Sam spends his money on, that's right here. Now, you can have some impact on government spending, sure, by voting and by being an activist and by writing letters and things like that. But the, if you should spend, think about the amount of impact you have on government spending. Just think about it for a second. It's like a mosquito, right, on, a, on, on an elephant. It, it, you, it won't make a big difference. One per, okay, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to, trying to recalibrate you. Because here's what happens with some folks, right? We are concerned about Uncle Sam's spending. It's out of control. So we spend hours and hours and hours worrying about this. Meanwhile, what's happening to our daily, what's happening to our house? What's happening to our household? It's in shambles. Now, if you can do both, if you have your household and, it's, and you're, you're doing well, and you can influence other places, that is not what I'm talking about. This, again, we're not talking about anxiety right now. I'm using this as an example. Um, uh, people who get wrapped up in all kinds of things, activism, um, sports even, you know, um, all kinds of things that are beyond their control, they cannot succeed or fail. It's just something they're throwing lots of energy into. Meanwhile, what they should be doing, they're not doing. Okay, and um, in college, the kids would do all the extracurriculars, you know, and never study, right? The things that they should be doing, they're not doing. The things they shouldn't be doing, they are. Okay, you get it. Similar today, when we deal with anxiety, what we are doing is we're saying, I am obsessing over this little area over here in the corner, which is beyond my control, beyond my ability. It's completely in God's hands. And I'm obsessing over something, and I'm missing what I should be doing today. God says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And he says in, 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 um, in Philippians chapter 4, we're to be anxious for nothing. How are we supposed to handle the things that are outside our control but under God's control? What are we supposed to do with them? Are we supposed to pretend like they don't exist? Are we supposed to say, well, it's not a big deal? No. How do we handle the things that are a big deal, but they're outside of our control? They're in God's control. Prayer. It says it right there. But in everything with two words. What's the difference between prayer and supplication? I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Let me make sure I'm... Uh, So the second is the alternative. The alternative, let your request be made known to God. So the command is don't be anxious. What's the alternative to being anxious? 
Let your requests be made known to God. And he says here, through prayer and supplication. What is prayer? It's not a hard question. You guys know this. Talking to God. Well, I'm going to be more, more general. It's just talking to God. And prayer is a more, more broad request. Like, it's not just going to request. Now, supplications, that's requests. Right? So prayer, he says prayer and supplication. So prayer is worship. You can say, Lord, you are great. Lord, you are magnificent and majestic. That's not a supplication. That's prayer. That's worship. Right? Well, holy, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So far, prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. There's your supplication. Okay? And forgiveness, that's not supplication. That's, well, I guess it could be. You're asking. But typically, we wouldn't think of that as supplication. Supplication is a request. Prayer is adoration and all these requests. All, prayer is the big umbrella. So everything, with, by prayer and supplication, with what? How, how does that change how you look at uh, anxiety? What are you doing? Instead of what? Instead of worrying, instead of dreading, right? Anxiety's got dread written all over it. Oh, no. You know, there was a, there was a guy on next door who said that there were people walking around checking cars and trying to get in cars. I just know they're going to try to get in my house. I know I've locked all my doors, but they're going to come in the windows. You know, you know, dread. Thank, what's, what's, what's Thanksgiving? Lord, thank you so much that even though if somebody breaks in our house, you protect us. You know, you are a God who protects, and you promise to protect us. Lord, I, I'm always in the palm of your hand. Even if I'm facing a barrel of a gun, I'm at the palm of your hand. Like, isn't that amazing? The difference it makes, it changes dread to thanksgiving. He says you are to take what's in God's hands, and you're to hand it back to him. Do not wrestle away from God what is his. He says it's his, so you let, you let him have it. And you say, Lord, I will honor you. I will pray to you and let your request be made known to God. You don't pretend like it's not a problem. You don't say, Lord, I don't really care about this. You do. Bring it to him. If my kids have concerns and cares and things bother them, it really helps me to hear that. Dad, I'm really worried about something. What? Even if it's crazy, I want to hear it. I want to hear what burdens them. God wants to hear what burdens you. God wants to hear what's on your heart and what you ask of him. But I'll say this. He says, let your request be made known to God. This is not the same as just complaining. And I think this is a point we have to make and a point that, that I learned by parenting, which is that we don't let our kids complain. We make them ask. If they say, I'm thirsty, I say, and? You know, or some of you parents, well, hi, thirsty. <laughs> you know, I'm daddy or whatever. No, you say, you say okay, uh, what are you? I make them say, would you help me get some water? Because that's fine. To complain is just, and then I'm like, oh, well, let me you know, do whatever you need me to do to make you happy. They're just declaring that they're unhappy. And that's how a lot of Christians pray. It's like, I, God, I hate this and I hate that. And then, well, then how, what are you actually requesting? And I think we ought to not just complain, we ought to make requests, make very specific requests. That's what supplications are. And he says, do this in everything. That means in all difficulties, in all trials, in all circumstances, in anything that is anxiety-inducing, let your requests be made known to God. When you're driving by yourself on the interstate and it's anxiety-inducing, make your requests known to God. Thank the Lord for safety, safe vehicles, and speed limits, you know? Thank you, Lord, that we're not in the Audubon right now where people are going 120 miles an hour, that we're like at... 70 miles per hour. 
Most of us aren't going 120 miles an hour. I saw somebody look at their husband. I'm not going to say who it was. What's the result? If that's the alternative, what's the result? The peace of God, the peace that comes from God, will protect you. Okay? It will guard you. It will keep you. The word keep has the idea of protecting you. What are you when you have strong anxieties, what are you desiring? You're desiring safety and protection. And you th- what, what is the lie you've bought with anxiety and worry? That I can protect myself by thinking about this problem. By overanalyzing this issue, I can know what's going to happen before it's going to happen, or I can protect myself in case something does happen, I'll know what to do. Right? I mean, this is the thought that goes through my mind when I have, or maybe I'll have different thoughts. Those are the thoughts that come through my mind. I think that by analyzing it, I can control it, and I can analyze the outcome, and I can, I can be prepared. That's how I think. Different people, I'm sure, think different ways. But, but, but what does God give us? God says, my peace will protect you better than you can protect yourself. So can anybody read John 14, 27 for me? Somebody turn there and read it. Because Jesus recognizes the needs we have uh, about anxiety, the needs we have with fear, and he gives us this promise, which I think is just beautiful in, in John, John 14, 27. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Charles. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isn't that beautiful? My peace I give to you. Not, not, not as the world gives. Not that kind of peace. No, no. My peace is good. So, don't be afraid. Um, let's look at the positive side. We'll, we'll, we'll blast through this as, uh, as we can. Anxiety is meditation about the wrong things. That's your blank there. Anxiety is meditation about the wrong things. That's why we immediately have, after he talks about not being anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's one thing to say, don't think about that. Don't worry about that. What's the problem if I say, don't think about a pink elephant? What are you thinking about? A pink elephant, right? And so what you can't do is say, just don't do this. Don't think about this. He actually gives us what we ought to think about. He, he, he knows God knows that we need the positive, not just the negative, so he tells us what we're to think on, what we're to think about. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Anxiety is meditation. Meditation is thinking on something. Now, in our culture today, meditation can mean like uh, spacing out and, and, and like uh, contemplating the color of green, you know, or the, the, the weird stuff, you know. But, but it, and, and this, meditation just means thinking on or thinking about. And so he says we are to think about these things. Don't think about these anxieties. Think about these things. What is true? That which is in accordance with what is righteous, what is honest, what God has created to be true. God has given us truth, and we ought to focus on truth. And this is not the same thing as what appears to be true. Okay, what well, God's truth is what you ought to meditate on, which sometimes is in conflict with what appears to be. You might say, I am, I am in danger, and God is nowhere. That might be how it feels. That is not true. God tells us He is there, and God tells us He is protecting us. 
and there's not, a, there's not a hair of our head that'll be harmed outside of his care for us. What is noble, that is what is worth of respect, what is dignified, what is serious, what is worthy of reverence, what is sublime, what is holy, what is transcendent, that is what noble means. What's just, that is what's righteous and fair and in keeping with God's character. What's pure, what's innocent, what's free from that which defiles, it's holy. That which is lovely, that means it causes pleasure or delight. That which is a pleasing, agreeable, and that which is praiseworthy, that which God commends, that which God says, yes, this is good. God says we are to meditate on these things, to think about these things, the word logizomai, which really means to evaluate or to consider. We are to consider them. We are to think about them. And, and so when you are thinking about anxious thoughts, you need to consider what's true, what's noble, what's just. Often our anxious thoughts are contrary to all these things. What's the result of proper thinking? Uh, well, verse 9, the things which you've learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God will be with you. So you have to actually learn it, hear it, and do it. Um, do this and the God of peace will be with you. Last uh, concluding thoughts, a few thoughts here as we conclude. Um, and these, actually, these last three thoughts I did get from uh, that same lecture on the front. I, I should have uh, cited this one more time, but Brent Oakwin concluded, and I thought this was great. He said, worry is three things. First, it's laziness. Worry is laziness because Christ commands us to say, work on today's problems today. And you think about the things that you have to give your attention to today, and when you are giving your attention to things that are not today's problems, and you're and not talking about planning here, that's a different discussion, but if you are wrapped up in things that are beyond your control and that are not today's problems, then you are missing what God has called you to do. In fact, I can think of an example when Jesus gives the parable of the talents. Remember the man who buried the one talent? What did he say? Why did he bury the talent? He was afraid. You know, he was a harsh master. He was afraid what would happen. He was fearful. He worried what would happen. And so he said, ah, I can't do anything with this. I'm just going to be paralyzed, right? I'm paralyzed. I'm not going to do anything. Instead of doing anything, I'm going to do nothing. And he can't criticize me for doing nothing. I'm just going to sit and do nothing. And that, that is actually wickedness. By not doing what God has called us to do, we are, we are not living like we should. Secondly, worry is idolatry. is because it says, I want earthly security. Uh, it, it is more delightful for me than to delight in God. When I don't have what I want, I get fearful I get worried, and uh, when these wor- things get threatened, I, I clamor, I grasp for, for things that protect me, um, and Matthew 6 tells us you can't serve both God and earthly treasures, and, um, and when we say, I, I need earthly security, worry is idolatry, it's a form of that. Worry is also unbelief, that's the last one, worry is unbelief. Um, and you have to ask yourself, what am I not believing when I engage in worry and fear. Well, I'm not believing that God has a good plan for his children. I'm not believing God is faithful. I'm not believing God is good. Uh, I'm not believing God is in control. There's a lot of things I'm choosing not believe, so I'm, I'm living in unbelief. So as we look at this passage, I want you to be encouraged that God pro- gives his peace freely. You see that several times, his peace he gives, and that's what we often are desiring when we are full of worry and anxiety. Thoughts or comments, questions? Ideas. Yes, sir. Uh, Proverbs 3 talks about two things uh, to help give you confidence in God. 
God speaks of sound wisdom and discretion, uh, and talks about that your your sleep will be sweet, you'll mm. be able to walk and not stumble. And you go to Psalm one nineteen one sixty five that says, "Great peace hath those who love thy law, for nothing shall cause them to stumble." So sound wisdom, discretion, and a love of His law gives us confidence in God and reliance on Him. Amen. I believe that 100%. I mean, there, there are so many verses that deal with this kind of inner peace. Isaiah 26 talks about that as well. There was a hand. Charles, yeah. In Psalm 103, it talks about, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. And that makes me think of Gideon. Mm. You know Gideon had anxiety. Or fear, oh, yeah. Everyone called it. And the Lord knew that. So he, he, he did the police thing. As Gideon obeyed, he still helped him out. Like, go down to the camp. Listen to what the camp's saying. Yeah, that's a great example. Gideon's an excellent example. Uh, Elijah is one of my other favorite examples of a man who faces cl- basically clinical depression, suicide, depression, where he um, he has ups and downs. And we're actually going to talk about this next time. I have this. I have it on my list. I think it's the next one I'm going to talk about. Is is when your emotions are out of control. Uh, so people who who live by their emotions. And have a have a feeling based decision making process. Feels good, do it. Doesn't feel good, don't do it. And some people, some Christians, even ascribe that to the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's biblical. Um, they'll say, "Well, if I feel peace, and that just means they feel good about it, they'll go forward." And um, you know, if you live by your feelings, you will end up like Elijah, who has a great mountaintop, like literal mountaintop experience off Carmel, runs down off the mountain, gets. One woman says to him, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden he says, Lord, I'm not fit to live. I'm worse than my father's. Kill me. And, and God does exactly that. He has pity on him, and he sends an angel. And what is, do you all remember the story? What does the angel do for Elijah? He feeds him and lets him sleep. Isn't that amazing? He knows he's at the end of his rope. He's like the physically, he's spent. And sometimes when you're physically spent, what God wants you to do is read your Bible, eat some food, take a nap. And that could be exactly what you need for, you know, God using that, that time. So I, I, we're going to talk about that in the future. I'm looking forward to that as well. But there are a lot of examples. The Bible's full of people who you could, like today, you would say clinical depression, <laughs> serious, serious issues. Um, and, and the Bible has answers for these things. It directs us to where we should go. Okay. Anything else before we close it down? Yeah. Yeah. And then it says, practice these yep. things. Yep, yeah, 100%. And, and that, I think, was a big game changer in my life, is to practice these things, because I've known these things. I mean, if you've been in church, you know these yeah. things, but the Do it. These, yeah, the doing it, Do and it. The doing it again, yep. and again, and that's when the peace of God is, is with you. You know, if you're not practicing, you're not going to have that peace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got to be doing and this is like, even if you don't feel like it, do it. Like, you, you will benefit. Just have your devotion. Some people say, well, if I'm not, if, the, if, if I have the bad attitude, I shouldn't be having my devotions because God's not going to honor that. Just, just do it. Like, just, just do it. And, and God will bless the, the even the, because we're so afraid of like, I don't want to be doing things without having my heart in it. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Just, you need to be doing the work of ministry. I'm not saying you lie about it. You say, you know, do it for the wrong reason, or, you know, be prideful about it. But 
You need to be doing it, and that does make a huge difference. Julie, you're going to say something. Yeah, the, with Thanksgiving praise has been very helpful for me because if I have to bring my request with Thanksgiving, then it has to change my mindset. Ah, that that's really good. Thank you for this trial because I know you are in control of it. It's tailor made for me to accomplish mm. your will in my life or in whoever's life that you're praying for. But oh, that's so good. Yeah, come, come with when you have these moments. Come in case you didn't hear with Thanksgiving because it makes a huge difference for how you pray. Lord, thank you for this trial because of what it's doing in my life. And God brings trials, God brings conflict even <clears throat> for His glory and for our good. And we have to see it that way rather than, um, in fact, I'm, I'm preaching my message on Sunday already here, but like what we often see as cons in our life, we ought to reassign to the pro column. God says, consider it joy when you fall into various trials. The things that we think of as bad, 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 God says, you need to count it joy. Because they're, they're, I'm at work. I'm at work in all these difficult things. All right, let's pray, and we'll wrap it up. I'm a little bit over time. Lord, thank you so much for the time we've spent together tonight talking about these things. I pray you'd calm our restless hearts, and I pray that we would be uh, found uh, at peace in you, and that your, your peace would rule and reign in our hearts, and that we would know the peace of Jesus that is beyond our understanding. And we're so grateful that you've chosen to um, give us this peace through Christ. May we honor you with how we live out our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great night, everybody.